Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. We got one more preseason game to go, and then we are on to week one. Logan, this is the last time I'm talking to a microphone as a non-married man. Very excited to. Pretty exciting, uh, bro. Yeah, Pretty exciting. Excited to to get out over to the UK. Uh, what I don't know. So what's the deal? Not, what's the deal with the wedding? Like, come on, like, let's just get a little summary. Like, what's yeah. the plan? You're doing destination wedding? Is that what's happening? Yeah, destination wedding because we have friends and family that are all spread out all over the place. So we decided we would just not try to pick one place and we just all travel. Uh, and weddings uh, overseas are not as expensive as here, so you know it winds up costing about the same with the travel. And uh, so we're like, let's look around overseas. Uh, my soon-to-be wife is not a beach person, so we took out like the Caribbean and all those destinations pretty quick, and we wound up at a castle in Scotland. And so nice. we're pretty pumped. Going to go over there, do a couple days in London after, and uh, then I'll come back, and it'll be, uh, it'll be Tuesday before week one. So it, that, that kind of worked out. Is that like the honeymoon, too? Is the cat, is yeah, we're, call, the... we're calling it a mini-moon. We're going like a longer mini honeymoon moon. next year. Um, but yeah. yeah, so we're, we're pretty excited, man. That's exciting. Man. I've been, so I've been fun. collecting marriage advice from radio guests. Do you want to give me your, your marriage advice as a, as a happily married marriage man? Advice. Um, happily married man. I think the most important thing is just make sure you can be empathetic. I know that sounds like a very obvious thing, but I think a lot no, of that's people good. just forget like with their spouse, like that you're like, you know, just like they're going through stuff too. They're not like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. just remember that. That's my, that's really good thing. Uh, it's yeah, a lot thanks. better than I, I put it out on Twitter yesterday and got a lot of happy wife, happy life. Like I didn't know that. Like my plan was to make her miserable, and uh, I was like, I think that we can probably do a little better than this. Uh, but be having empathy—that's yeah. a good way to have a happy wife, and thus a happy. Yeah, wife. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, just be aware of like you know, she's got feelings too. She's not like a robot there to like just you know be your like person. I guess all the time. So right, it's always no. always something I tell people: just be empathetic. That's great. Good stuff. Glad I asked. Uh, although, I will say, most of the audience did not come for marriage advice. Perhaps some did. But uh, today on the show... That's a weird, that's a weird deal <laughs> to come in for that. Because we never talked about it before. Anyway, let's uh, it's go. All right. let's uh, people that have been listening to the radio or following along, they, they know what's up. Uh, so, Logan, Logan will... <laughs> by the way, for housekeeping on the pod side of things, uh, Logan will be doing the pod next week. Um, probably have a guest on monday and then might be doing a mailbag yeah. on thursday next week so uh make sure that, probably, that you're yeah. pay, locked in logan on instagram at logan underscore paulson 82 and uh that that you'll be able to submit your questions if they if logan winds up doing the mailbag. i don't know though maybe your guest booking days are uh you'll get inspired by whoever you get on monday and go to for next week so i guess i guess everyone's gonna have to subscribe and find out I think I'm going to go Kime on Monday just because, you know, like I talked to Kime a lot. I think he's a smart dude, but also like we're friends. So it shouldn't be too, you know, like too weird. No. You know, you know, what my only concern with, with Kime and you without me is that could be a three hour podcast. Uh, yeah, I got to be dialed in on the time and I'll try yeah. to be. So. Yeah, you guys, you guys can get going. I'm like, all right, hey, guys, rope it with the detail yeah, is going to be incredible. So be looking forward to uh, yeah. everybody getting that on Monday. So make sure, again, you're subscribed and then you don't got to worry about it. Whatever happens, happens and it comes straight to your podcast feed uh let's start though a little bit more review from what we saw over the weekend and what you've seen at practice so far this week and one of the big questions i was asking on the radio show that i talked to you about a little bit on monday actually for for the piece of the radio show that we did together 
is whether or not the starters should play and whether or not they will play. Uh, Ron has been coy to this point about it. Uh, now there's a chance that by the time some people listen, you know, he'll have spoken on Thursday afternoon uh, as we record this uh, earlier than that and that he has made an announcement one way or the other. So if that happens, that happens. That's the nature of podcasting. But um, at this point now, let's start with the should question. Should the starters play against Baltimore, in your opinion, based off what they've done and where they still need to get to? Um, you know, I, I've thought about this. I've got, you know, since we've talked, I've thought about it quite a bit. And I think one of the things that sticks out to me is that I don't think you need to uh, play in the third preseason game unless you're trying to see something specific. And Ron and Scott and Jack, they don't seem to be willing to show kind of the more detailed nuance of the offense or the more detailed nuance of the defense or kind of a general team philosophy in Ron's case. So I'm kind of of the mindset, like if you're not going to use this to kind of get, you know, actual kind of practice reps against another team, against another defense, then what's the point? You know, even in the Kansas City game, you know, it's this dress rehearsal walkthrough, and I thought the offense was even a little bit tepid at that point, right? So, you know, if you're not going to use this as a, as a tool to kind of see and work on timing and work on concepts and see how different things plays versus different coverages, then don't do it, right? And, you know, I think one of the most important elements of the third preseason game is personnel evaluation. So you'll have that opportunity to do that, like get the young guys out there. We're going to have, I think, a pretty heavy dose of Sam Howell. You know, I'm not even sure if I would play Taylor Heineke at this point. Like, I've been on teams where basically everyone who's not going to make the team, and they probably know. Like, if you look through the roster name by name, which we, I guess we could do later in this podcast, but name by name, you can pick 45-ish guys that you know for sure. That's not including specialists that you know for sure on the roster. And I've been on teams where none of those guys will play. So it'll all be guys who are fighting for a roster spot. And, the, and I think the kind of the cruel irony of that is that of those, you know, the remaining, what is that, 30 guys, 25 guys or whatever it is, only five of those guys have a legitimate shot of making the team just based on how the roster is structured, which is always a sad thing, in my opinion. You know, and, I, and I've been that guy before. When I was in Atlanta, you know, played a whole fourth, third preseason game, and I knew I was, I knew for a fact I was not going to make the team. Right. So well, like, the thing it's, is, it's though, like, I guess for this team is, I mean, you you want to, there's something to, like, getting those guys tape and, like, being almost like as a favor yeah. to them. Like, hey, go out and play. And it's a little yeah. different for you when you were in Atlanta. You were advancing your career. People knew what you were at that point. But, like, young guys, it's like, yeah. I want to get out there. I want to get tape. Even if I don't make this team, I want my agent to be able to send around, you know, here's some things that, that he did or, like, go watch him in this game, um, right. whatever, and try to latch on somewhere, practice squad or, or another roster if you think you can be a fit. But with this team and also the way that the the thing is now with three instead of four like you have to your number one goal of the preseason is to get ready for the regular season and this team just doesn't right. feel ready and i know that part of that is they haven't they haven't prepared themselves on purpose and i'm not saying that as criticism right. i'm saying that as fact as they haven't game plan they haven't done all that stuff and I just feel like there's got to be some value in practicing those skills. There's got to be some value in getting yourself ready for a game, going out and performing and feeling like, yeah, we know how to do that as opposed to going out there week one. And, and one of the things that I, I do think drives me a little crazy sometimes is, you know, you hear like, oh, well, we'll judge them by week four, week five. And it's like, well, then a quarter of the season's been played and those games counted. This team has historically started slow. Um, it's Ron's historic air teams have historically started slow. Um, they are not the chiefs, the bills, et cetera, where you feel like you're good enough to go on a really intense long run. If you have to, like this team needs every game. And I just, I feel like they're approaching this in a way that says we're better than that. We don't need this. And I'm kind of looking at it like, I don't know. I kind of think you need this. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I don't disagree with that, honestly. Like, I, th I agree with, like, pretty much everything you said. And I think the thing that sticks out to me is that if you're not going to use this in a more serious way, and so what I mean by that is I look at the offense, for example, right? And I haven't talked to anybody about this, but I, I mentioned this on the podcast. There was probably four, three or four second and ones with the ones, with the starters. And you don't take shots on those plays. Like, I know Scott's a smart guy. I know that's a shot play scenario. 
and we're not going to do that because we're worried about Carson getting hurt or we're worried about whatever we're doing, then then what's the point, right? We're not going to work on timing of our shots. We're not going to work on the protection for our shot plays. Then we, we, I don't say we don't might as well not play, but like obviously like you're holding something close to the vest, right? You're holding right. kind of your your cards your cards close to the vest, and I think that if you're not going to push that, if you're not going to kind of say, hey, let's try different stuff, let's let's see how this looks, let's, you know, just and it doesn't need to be like the most complicated, nuanced game plan route concept, but I mean, I think you should be trying some of that stuff. I look at Kansas City, it's not like they're doing crazy stuff, but they're trying some different formations, they're trying some route concepts, they're trying different personnel, and that's not what this team uses this preseason for. That's not what Ron does, you know, like I had a brief conversation with him and he he was kind of of the mindset you want to keep what you want to be for the season a little bit like hidden from the from the rest of the league. And I don't know if I 100% agree with that because Again, like use these practices, use these preseason games as practices to get yourself there. But to your point, is the teams not using them in the way I'm describing? Right. So, and I guess that that's my really point. Right. Then, is that like yeah, they should be yeah. like if, if what you're saying is is also like we don't disagree with each other. It's just like how much yeah. merit we give each scenario. I don't give the we're holding it to the vest for the regular season a ton of a ton of merit. Like you, Ron's been a head coach for 15 years. Scott's been an OC for a yeah. number of years. Like, yeah, are there is there some stuff that they might throw out with Carson that they otherwise might not have before? Sure, but like, it's not a secret what Scott Turner does, and especially on defense. Like, all is oh, we're holding blitzes, whatever. Like, okay, fine, run the same one that you ran last year. Like, but at least give yourself yeah. a chance. Like the idea that they're just holding everything close to the vest. When these these guys have been in the NFL for 20, 30, 40 years, in in Jack and Ron's case, like that that to me just doesn't hold a lot of water. I agree, and, and what I'm saying is that like this team starts slow, and I think I don't know, and you don't, because there are teams that I've played on where they keep everything really tight. But in, for this example, I think obviously, you know, they they start slow, and I think this might be a reason why. Like you don't ramp up through the preseason and some team again a lot of teams don't do that but if I'm Ron and I'm a guy that you know maybe I want joint practices or I don't have that opportunity like these games need to I think be handled slightly differently you know what I mean they need to be handled slightly differently than they're handling them and again joint practices are advantageous because you don't share that film with the leagues only one other team is seeing that and so I get I understand that but like you're not using that resource so you need to do something a little bit more advance I think and again I'm not the coach so like everyone you know pump your brakes I'm not being critical of Ron this is his decision but if I was the coach I would push this a little bit more so that I knew that I knew where more acutely where the team was at you know what I'm saying like and and John kind of brings this point up all the time when we talk he's like this team is slow to respond they're slow to adapt they're slow to kind of identify Landon Collins at the Buffalo Nickel or Apke has been playing safety too long and I think one of the reasons is you're not doing the stuff you're supposed to be. You're not doing the stuff in preseason that you're going to be doing in the regular season. And as a result, you don't know. You, you don't have like a, a, a one-to-one evaluation. I'm not saying put everything out there, but at least give yourself a good opportunity to evaluate what you got. And then, you know, from a game plan, personnel, all that kind of stuff, especially with the ones, I, I think. But to, 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 the, to, the, to the crux of the question, that is why they won't play in the third preseason game because they don't treat the preseason like that, I guess is my Yeah, point. no, I hear you. Um, there is, cause I, I don't want to come off as like completely just bashing Ron. Like he doesn't know what he's doing in any aspect of anything. Cause like he's won a lot of football games. He made a super bowl. Right. Um, he had a 15 win season, something that as a head coach, very it's few just, teams. It's just a difference of a right. of philosophy. It's just, it's Ron's Ron's superpower, if you will, or like double edged sword. That's really sharp on both sides is his patience. Like he is someone who will not overreact to things. And the other side of that coin or the other edge of that double-edged sword is sometimes he doesn't react to things. And so when there's yeah. a piece of information that seems obvious, he doesn't act on it as quickly as he should. Um, and that has consequences. By the same token, there are times he's probably patient and sticks with guys or sticks with ideas that he, he knows can work and just haven't worked yet. And there's good results with that too. So it is just... Like that's coaching. That's that's the the hardest thing as a coach is to know when to move on because no, like there's no plan that's bad on paper. No editor draws up right. a bad play. 
Um, it's knowing like how to actually implement the stuff and, and what adjustments to make and the ability to, to get your players to be adaptable to real life game situations. Um, that is the skill of coaching. And uh, for Ron, I mean, historically speaking, again, just these, the stats are what they are. The wins and losses are what they are. Like it's, it's been a mixed bag at times. Yeah, but and again, like this is not a Ron criticism. Like Mike Shanahan was like mm-hmm. this, you know. Dan Quinn was like this. They have I mean, look, Justin Herbert's not playing at all in the preseason. Yeah, they, like there are their coaches. They have like I want to say like blind spots, right? So like Mike, for example, was very trusting of his team leadership, right? So coming into two thousand three, like the team was like, oh, we're practicing too hard, and this was when Pl- Fletch wasn't really practicing all the way, um, and. And training camp was really easy, and he because he thought we were ready. He was trusting, and I think that was a little bit deficient on his part, right? Because we weren't where he thought we weren't where the players thought they were, and he trusted the players, right? And then Dan Quinn, same thing. Like he's really about personal relationships and building the strong culture, at the detriment of being able to kind of fire and hire people that, you know, we're gonna help him win football games, right? And so I think every coach, every coach is a person, and they all have things like this. Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. And it's just like you or me in life, right? So, again, it's just about whether or not for this particular team going into this particular season, this is a negative thing or is it just kind of a neutral thing? Is it a non-factor? And so, um, you know, obviously, based on the team history, I I would like, I would have, if I was the coach, if Logan Paulson was the coach, I would have done more. But that's also how I am as a person. And that's also hurt me in my career as as a football player and in my career post football because you're always trying to do more and it and it's not always the right way to go about it right so again there's no right answer here it's just about is this the most effective and we won't know honestly until week one two three four five and i think that's why people kind of like fletch for example says oh you know like let's evaluate him week one through three four five and it's like well it's kind of too late at that point but that's also when we're going to know for sure what this offense what this defense what the special teams group looks like and as a result what the team as an aggregate looks like i think right at that point i think we'll be able to go back and put a more fair grade on the uh on whether or not this was a good decision i guess the difference of course would right, be that right. like if if it's a failing grade because they're one in three through four games it's like well that's a hole that they're not going to be able to dig out of or it's like right and um you know then then it becomes a long october november december on in podcast and radio land and for commanders fans cheering on the team Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. So what do we expect to see? If we don't expect to see the starters, which which I think you've laid out the reason why we won't based off Ron's history, um, what do you expect to see? Let's start with the quarterback position. I wouldn't play Heineke. Like, frankly, even if Wentz yeah. plays a couple of series, I wouldn't play Heineke at all. He, to me, is like mm. bright glass in case of emergency, and we know if we have to break that glass, we know exactly what's what's in that box. Like, you know what Heineke yep. is. He got a season's worth of reps last year. He knows the offense. I wouldn't play Heineke no matter what. I know as a competitor and the politics of that, he might be like, no, 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 I'm, I'm playing. Um, but what, what, right. would you, what would you do? Or what, not what would you do? Because we kind of already talked about that. What, what do you think we'll see at the quarterback position? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like, I think if based on this team, and I think we've already alluded to this, I would try to get anybody that I thought was going to be on the team I would just try to keep him out. And if I needed a little bit more evaluation on a couple of guys, like I think there's a good chance like 
Casey Tuhill will play. Like Casey Tuhill is going to be a team, but he's got to play because just from like a depth standpoint, mm-hmm. right? So I don't really care. I know who Casey Tuhill is. I understand that evaluation. Like he's going to be on the football team. He's going to play well this year. Blah 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 blah. But like I want to make sure that there's depth there. So it's, for me, it's the same thing at the quarterback position. Like I know what Heineke is. I know what Carson is. Let's keep them off the field. I might dress. Heineke, yeah, you're just gonna because, have to dress like, Heineke if, unless all of a sudden you Cole Kelly's still available and you sign him right before the yeah. game. Right. Which I you know, I honestly I don't think is a terrible idea. Like if you just want two quarterbacks, like right. I don't think that's a bad idea. But anyway, um yeah, so I think that that's kinda what I would do. I think Sam it's Sam Howell's game. If you want to see Taylor Heineke do a series, like my question to you would be why? <laughs> right. You know, like like what's the point? Like he's had an excellent preseason. Like he, if you look at his drive against Kansas City, like he's awesome. Carolina a little bit struggle, but I think he answered all those questions with the Kansas City drive. So it's like I don't need to see any more. So I would let Sam Howell and just be like, "Hey man, your show. Like we're gonna have a like a, s- a simplified offense. We're gonna have some, and you're just gonna go out and play football. We're gonna have these tight ends available, these receivers available. The whole line's gonna be what it is. We might have an extra guy dressed just in case, but yeah, man, like that's what it's gonna be. Just basic offense. Get those young guys out there." And then let's see if we can get some answers at the position battle, which I think is kind of the reason for this game. This is the last data point, probably, I don't want to say the most significant, but it is a significant data point in finalizing the roster. And so, you know, there's like we were talking about this earlier, there's probably five guys who will make the team off this game. And who are they? And I think it's probably the backup linebacker. So Milo Eifert, Eifert is like ahead of the curve right now. I think he's the guy that's... Well, especially because Nate Gary you know, just went down on IR. So you're, you're talking about correct. Milo was already pushing him. So Milo Eifler, and yeah. he, you know, he, his speed like seems useful on special teams I think as he's, well. And I think he's pushing a guy like Kalik Hudson. Like in, in practice, they are... They're, it's not like Kalik is the fourth guy. It's like... It's like Milo and him are rotating at that, that fourth position. So obviously, like, it's tight there, too. So I think that's a great data point, right? Um, who's the nick, Who's the, the sixth corner, right? Is it Christian Holmes? Can he play nickel? I don't know. But, the, like, again, that's a big battle to kind of keep an eye on. Does Chris Paul make a push for himself to be on the 53? Do you keep 10 linemen? I personally don't think so. I think he's going to be on practice squad. But, again, he's done some fantastic things in training camp. It's just about how green he is and do you think you can get him to practice well. But, again, that's an interesting battle. Um, you know, uh, who else we got? Safety is an interesting one. I think it's. I think that's fleshing out now. I don't know. It's been do you think they want – I think they probably wind up keeping five there. I think they wind up – Safeties? Yeah, I think they wind up keeping McCain, Curl, the two young kids, Butler and Forrest, and then Jeremy Reeves is yeah. kind of the, the vet uh, special teams guy as well. Well, I think the interesting thing is – you just in practice this week, like obviously Benjamin St. Juice is down with someone. He's I don't know what, I don't know what his issue is. He's on, he's on the side field, so whatever's going on with him. But the guy who's taken over at nickel is Percy Butler. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously he's kind of a slash. So do you keep another safety as a result of that? Do you keep Reeves? And I think Reeves has had a good camp, but he's always he's one of those guys that you love. I love watching him play. He plays with great emotion, great great physicality, great instincts. But he's always going to be limited by his physical skill set, much like myself. And so, like, do you feel comfortable with him on the roster uh, on your 53? And th- that this is a game that helps you kind of complete that evaluation, right? So, and then the other one that's interesting is the receiver spot. Like, who's the sixth receiver? If they keep seven, who's the seventh guy? Like, right now, I personally think Dax Mills has that on locked. Like, yeah, I don't think that's actually, going anywhere. So, I was having this conversation with Standa yesterday on the show. The receiver position is yeah. super interesting because technically, Deami Brown is either your four or your five, but he's probably going to be inactive on game day. Like, they, there's not as many inactive spots as there used to be. But on a lot of game days, right. like, if Dax Millen is your punt returner and, you know, Cam Sims is one of your core special teams guys, right. Tiami Brown it all of a sudden becomes odd man out uh, where it's just like, yeah, we don't really have room for you on, on the, the 40. Or it's not the 46 anymore, but whatever the hell they, they have on game day now. They've changed right. the rules so many times. It's bad that I, I cover the league and I, I don't know the rule anymore. Uh, I mean, I don't know it either. They, they but keep changing it. I, but, like, the receiver, I feel like six is a lock, and it, and those are the six. But that actually becomes a very interesting thing on game day that you've got this guy that you've yeah. got full of potential and was a, a third-round pick, and he's yeah. not probably going to be active on a lot of game days. Yeah, I think that is super, that is super compelling. And, again, like, he's played gunner, but – you know, your returner is a very valuable spot. So, and, and when you watch Dax, like, 
he's been more consistent and more productive in training camp and in the games. You know, and I I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a personality thing, if it's a usage thing, but he knows all the wide receiver spots. He plays the F, he plays the X, he plays the Z. He doesn't excel at the X, but the Z and the X, the Z and the F, he's doing a great job, right? And so the Z is the guy that lines up to the side of the tight end, and the F is your move guy. So that's a diverse skill set. So if there were an injury, I think you'd feel good about putting him in. I don't know if Diami knows all the spots. I don't know how productive he is on team. So, yeah, again, like I think that's interesting for Dax just to kind of say, hey, I'm the return man. Like that's a, that's a thing because now with Gibson in a different role, Maybe Gibson's a return man, and I actually like Gibson as a return man. We've talked about that. Yeah, on the show I think before. I so think is he's a return, returner. I think that's done. And is that return role as important to keep on the roster? Like, do you need a specific guy to do that? And obviously, punts is different than kickoffs. But um, again, like these are the interesting kind of final roster tweaks that don't really happen till the twelfth hour, you know. And like obviously, this thing with Gibson happened. I, I don't think I think everyone kind of points to the fumble and says that's when it happened. I think we've been talking about on this show for a while that his role was going to change, mm-hmm. right? So, but again, like these are the types of things that that the receiver spot is interesting. D line is interesting too. Like, what are you doing there? Like, I feel like Daniel Wise at the defensive tackle spot has solidified that sport fourth spot. But for depth, is FAO? I feels like FAO Bata is. I your, feel like FA's been you know great in these games. Not maybe not great, but like I feel like he's been impactful in these he's been games. Solid. Um, you know, he. I would say this. He definitively flashes more. Like TV copy is about as bad as you can ask for to elevate, to evaluate line right. play. So I don't know. You know what's happening inside? Is he getting his butt whooped on all the right. snaps that he's not flashing on? But at the end of the day, he knows the system. He's got position flex, and he's certainly shown a little bit of pop as a pass rusher in rotational yeah. situations. And especially now knowing that Chase is not just out week one, but out the first four weeks at least. And I don't know that he's going to be back week five. Like. And if this right. report is true that he also ruptured his patella, like that is a two massive structural injuries. Yeah, there was a report that came out yesterday from Jordan Schultz or Tuesday from Jordan Schultz mm-hmm. that uh, he had a ruptured patella and torn ACL, which would explain why they took the patella graft from the other knee and why he ultimately right. had both knees operated on. And like, yeah, that's two major structural injuries that he's got to rehab from. Now the rehab overlap is is you know, hundred percent, you're rehabbing a knee at the end of the day. And like all the same muscles flex right. and extend the knee, whether you're rehabbing the patella or the, the ACL, but like still the, the, the timeline there is, is definitely stretched. And, you know, even if he does come back, um, we actually, look, I don't know if you, you saw this, I Gora's on the show. Talk about this. Did yeah. You? We had Gora's on, on, the on, on the show on Tuesday, which I would suggest anyone uh, listening to this go on the Hoffman show feed and check out if you want more on Chase's injury and like what to expect but like when Chase comes back he's not going to be Chase Young not this season like it's going to take time for him right. to play himself back into shape because explosiveness is the last thing to return when you're going through this kind of rehab and so like he'll have flashes um, but he's not going to consistently be the guy who won defensive player or rookie of the year a couple of years ago this is not a realistic expectation so long long you know detour to circle back uh to fa obata like a guy who knows the system you can trust and and has a little bit of pop as a pass rusher and has made plays in the nfl like there's real value there yeah. and i i certainly think that he and daniel wise who also you can say the same thing after what he showed last year uh with this team like i think those two guys fit and, and they really definitely belong on the team so that's four interior four edge rushers and then there's one more guy that i think i think they'll keep nine well then you got mathis in there with with alan and Payne. mathis that's right yeah so there you go there's your nine and i think that i feel very good about that right you get some position flex like and you know obata and wise you know there's a rumor that they they flash but they also aren't doing exactly what they're supposed to do but they do flash they look like nfl participants and i think that that is significant so that group feels very locked you know we already talked about linebacker and it feels like milo's that guy you know jamin cole um mayo and then is it milo kalik or you know what i'm saying there is there are a a group of people in the building that really like harris i haven't seen enough of him to kind of make that assessment but yeah i mean that and that's that's why this game is important to me like like people that work like why do we care about the third preseason game it's because of these last little touches on the roster it's the last little bit just kind of say these are the people we want 
And then also now with the larger uh, practice squad sizes, like who deserves to be on practice squad? Like they just brought this tight end in from LA. What's his name? Uh, Burton. Blanton. Blanton. And I think there's a, after watching him in practice last yesterday, like the way he moves, the way he catches the football, the way he competes in line, I think there's a chance he's a practice squad guy. So all of a sudden, does that change the complexion or the opportunity for a guy like Curtis Hodges? You know, Blanton's played a lot of football yeah, I mean, in the he, NFL. He, he won the Super Bowl last year and had a really good NFC Championship yep. game. Yeah, and I think like that—that's another interesting story. All of a sudden, is he's a guy who's six six, he's two hundred sixty pounds, he runs really well. Like, do you keep him over a guy like Curtis Hodges, which would suck for Curtis, but like that's that's the nature of the business, right? And I think that's why it's tough. Yeah, um, the tight end position is fascinating because it's had so many twists yeah. and turns, and it seems like everyone. Yeah. I, I would ask you this: I feel like the answer is definitely going to be yes. But like, I'm guessing you really like the tight end coach here. Because, like, every uh, guy that they've played seems awesome. Well, I think that's – it's it's crazy. Like, him and um, – gosh, what's the Matsko. other name? Just totally – yeah, Matsko. They just seem to have a way to kind of get guys indoctrinated in the system, like, very effectively. And uh, Castillo does a really nice job, like, pre-practice of getting the guys out there, post-practice keeping them out there, and making sure they're on their P's and Q's and they're competing and they're getting better at football. So – you know he does an excellent job, and I think, you know, the other the other group that needs credit in the tight end thing is the scouting department. I mean, how do you fi- keep finding guys like this? Like this Blanton kid is such their type. He's tall, yeah. he's long, it's like six, six, runs well. Yeah, and you're just like, where? I I would have thought that would be impossible at this time of year. You've got somebody who's got like you know like the app update on their phone, like oh six six guy who's two fifty is available. Like let's go get him. You know what I mean? And it just. <laughs> Like that's like that's what that whole room looks like. So, um, you know that that's the scouting department, the pro and college scouting department deserve. A, I mean, think about it. Armani Rogers was a, an undrafted free agent. Curtis Hodges was an undrafted free agent. Earlier this offseason, earlier trading camp, we were talking about both of them potentially making the roster, which is crazy, right? And so, like, good good job by them, and also good job by um, Castillo. Like, excellent job by both parties. And, you know, I, I'm sad because I like all those guys. I, I mean, even Blanton, he just got here today. Like, I like that skill set. But not everyone's going to make the team despite all that potential. What? So that, that's, that's always kind of a bummer about this time of year. So what would you do at tight end? And then we can get into our concerns as we head into week one, kind of fast forward past this final preseason game. But what would you do at tight end? Logan's now off of, of Pup. Um, we don't know if he's going to be ready week one, but certainly it feels like he'll be ready by week two, and there's a chance he's ready by week one. Bates we still yeah. haven't seen since yeah. you know, early in camp. Uh, Cole Turner, since the day that I was out there when he hurt his hamstring, I don't think has, has participated. Like, Where are we at with right. this tight end position? And, and are those two guys – I feel like they had done enough slash their – investment status like they were they were fourth and fifth round draft picks that those guys are locks but with all these other good dudes like what would you what would you do with that position pending whatever happens on saturday yeah i think so obviously logan thomas coming back is huge i think bates is as close to a lock as you're going to get on the roster because he does something that none of the other guys do like he's your, your blocking why you know and he's maybe the best in the nfl at it so i think like he's here Cole, you mentioned the investment status. You mentioned his production. You love that, but again, like the Bates has only practiced two days of training camp or three days of training camp, which is crazy. And then uh, Cole is like he hasn't practiced for two weeks, and he's ha- he injured the same hamstring that he injured during um, during uh, OTA. So again, like how much can you count on him? Is this going to be a reoccurring thing? Because sometimes ham- hamstrings linger. That's just the nature of the injury. And then all of a sudden, like those are big those which those guys who shouldn't be question marks are all of a sudden question marks. And that's why this is such an interesting thing. Cause like they're going to be on the, like you can't like, you can't get them to practice squad. I guess you could IR them for like three weeks or something that point, like that. You'd have to put them. Yeah. So what you would have to do there is you'd have to put them on the 53, wait until Tuesday. And like the goal would then be to get Hodges, Blanton, Rogers, et cetera, to IR yeah. or to, uh, to practice squad. You put, Bates and uh, Turner on the 53 you IR them they're now out three weeks you can bring them back 
Um, but then you'd elevate someone on practice squad, and then obviously you see what happens from there. Right. right. So I mean, I guess that is a possibility, you know. Um, you know, and I, there I've talked to coaches, and despite the tremendous upside of the players of, of the guys Curtis and um, Armani, like one of the things they mentioned is like they don't necessarily feel comfortable relying on them for week one. They've done a great job, so maybe that's where a guy like Blanton kind of sneaks in because he's played football, right? So then your starters for week one would be, you know, again, it depends. Like the the math, the tight end math here is tough because everyone's injured. But is Blanton your starter week one with Armani, and then Curtis is like your rotational guy because those guys are on IR. I think it's it's a it's a compelling position group, and they're going to have to do some like roster gymnastics to um, to flesh that out because like that's unfortunately the nature of yeah. the business because you just mentioned like. Logan might not be ready for right, week but one. But he will be on the roster because that because they took him off a of Correct. Cut. Yes. You know, and that's the difference. Which I think you keep I think I think you keep four. I think you keep four either way, you know, because like how deep the room is, but it's just how do you get to that four and like when like what is the final four? You know, like do they actually put some guys on IR? Because I think I think Cole you could maybe do that with because he's a young guy, you know, maybe like give him a little bit more time to get his feet wet, get the hamstring right. I feel like Bates should be coming back soon like that's what it feels it, like yeah. he did practice he practiced eight days ago or something like that and then he hasn't practiced since so i don't know what's going on with that but i feel like that should be closer than it is and you don't get updates in training camp but yeah the position's wild and like, it's deep and it's just about who you feel comfortable with going into week one if those guys those top three guys aren't healthy yeah Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig. He's Logan. Uh, so let's look ahead to week one, Jacksonville. Next time we'll talk. Uh, I've, again, Logan will be here next week. I will be out. Uh, but the next time we talk on this podcast will be basically Labor Day uh, heading into week one. And so we will have another game's worth of, of data. We'll have the final 53. Uh, we'll have injury updates. We'll have all that stuff then. But going into where we are now uh, in, in late August, what's your biggest concern? And then let's, let's I've, been, I've done this to a couple of guests as well on the radio, and I will participate as opposed to just asking the question for once. Um, not only your biggest concern, but let's go on a positive. What's the thing that you're surest about? going into the regular season right. let's start with the concerns we'll each go a concern and then and then we'll we'll end on a on a happy note biggest are we doing offense and defense biggest concern we offense, can do we biggest. can do one of each yeah okay so let's start with i'll start with defense because i think this one's obvious um is just i think everyone on the group in the group defensive line defensive secondary linebackers every group has gotten better right and they even though the personnel is the same like they're definitely executing better in practice they're communicating better even the pass rush is better i just need to see it all kind of come together at the same time right because the rush week one was excellent the coverage you know leverages communication was a little bit off i thought the coverage against kansas city which we talked about with london was very very good and then the rush was a little bit off, right? So can they both come together? Can it all gel? Can they all be on time? Because in training camp, they went through like a four-day stretch, like the second week where the rush and the coverage were dialed in and the offense couldn't do anything, right? And again, I think Jack's scheming up a little differently. I think he's doing some different stuff uh, in those practices to kind of you know get ready for the season as opposed to what he's showing in preseason games. But that's my biggest thing is how is that all? The play calling... The, the rush and the coverage gelling together, going into week one and making this group, you know, I don't think they're going to be a top five defense again, but, you know, maybe at least plus 15. Like, and I think yeah. that, because if they are plus 15 and they can improve on third down, you feel a lot better about the offense maybe not being exactly where you were hoping they'd be, um, you know, maybe during OTAs, for example, or at the start of training game. Yeah, I would say my biggest concern defensively is the coordinator. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I... It, it last year was bad i mean it just they had injuries there's a lot of stuff that happened but he also was a top five coordinator a couple of years ago so like he hasn't he hasn't forgotten everything or the league hasn't passed him by it, it would seem like but last year against good teams and now the, again what's nice is they don't face a ton of good teams on paper this year like the, right. the chiefs the packers the bills like those teams are on the schedule this year um but 
like against the best teams, they weren't up to the task ever last year. Dallas destroyed them. Philly late in the year wrecked them. Um, so there, there's just there's too much data that says they can't put it together against the best opponents. And that's not a formula for the playoffs. And so having not seen it in the regular season, even if by, or in the preseason, even if by design, like I question their ability to flip that switch. I think I I agree with you. All the personnel is, is better. Um, I think that the linebacker core is still definitely a question um, Mm -hmm. because better doesn't mean like great. Um, But I, I will defer to London Fletcher on linebacker play. He doesn't seem concerned. So I, I, I've ramped down my concern on that. Um, I have been very impressed with William Jackson, the third, who is like a huge concern for me coming into the summer. Um, But at the end of the day, like, can they put it together and can they put it together against good teams and are they adaptable? Can they adjust those game plans when they do start game planning? Is the game plan a good one? Um, That's, that's kind of my biggest question on the defensive side. Yeah. Biggest offensive. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I I agree. No, no need to elaborate. All right. uh, Offensive biggest concern. And then we'll, then we'll go to the positives. I mean, it's so hard to say because every you know we're oh we're keeping this close to the vest, but to me again like I I think Scott's a smart dude, but I am I I want to see what this offense looks like with Carson Wentz at quarterback. I want to see this vertical passing game, the, this ability to push the ball down the field to open up the stuff underneath because that just hasn't shown up even really in training camp. You know, so if you have a vision for this offense, like what is the actual vision and you know, I, I trust him. I trust that he's got a vision. He's a smart dude. He's been around for a long time, like we already talked about. But that's my concern, is that I haven't seen the vision that he's described or that Ron's described. So, like, I guess my concern is, is that actually the vision? Is there, actu- <clears throat> is there actually a vision, is my question. And because right now there's been no data to support that. And I think in conjunction with that is, can we get Carson Wentz playing on the positive side of his, of his variance? Can he be more consistent? All those things, and I think that kind of ultimately stems back to coaching and play calling. And uh, so I'm going to say it's it's Scott, but maybe not. I, I I trust Scott, but again, I just haven't seen this new offense with Carson and an offense that exploits all the playmakers. And I'm just hoping that's because they're they're keeping stuff tight to the chest. Yeah, that's kind of my thing as well. Is like I've had questions since they acquired Carson of whether or not he was the right fit for this offense right. and considering we haven't seen it yet i kind of still have that question it's like you have a vision for what the offense should be you got a quarterback that from a trait standpoint theoretically can execute that but that's right. not who he's been like carson right. wentz has not been a quarterback who pushes the ball vertically down the field since 2017 at the very least like his yard, his air yards are very similar to Taylor Heineke's, and so, yeah. and and a lot of quarterbacks that that are more uh, underneath throwers, we'll call it, um, and that's not always indicative of not having success, but it also is not doesn't fit the vision of like what they want with the personnel that they have and with what they're claiming to want from a schematic standpoint. Like, they got the one like mid level crosser to Terry on the sliding catch first play of the second drive, like. I want that more often. I want the high crosses to John Dotson. I want those those deeper shots down the field to your tight ends to to getting JD McKissick and Antonio Gibson out in space. Like I I want that offense to be there, but in order to do that, like you need a quarterback who can see it and throw it with precision yeah. to let guys run after the catch as well and like that I don't think is Carson Wentz. Um or I have questions. I shouldn't say that isn't Carson Wentz. I don't think that is consistently Carson Wentz. And that's going to be the question. And like ultimately the key to their season is how frequently do you get a really high-level quarterback play? Or how frequently do you get really high-level quarterback play from Carson? And how frequently do you get the frustrating, like why did he miss that? Either mentally like didn't see it or just like, dude, it was right there why did you rush it and, and right. ultimately miss the throw? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think also, like, like that, that 100%, I agree. But also, like, in, in the subtext of that is, like, how do you best 
utilize your weapons and put those guys in good spots where Carson can make those plays, where McKissick is in good one-on-ones, where Gibson is in space, or Jahan is doing what he does well, which is running routes and stacking routes. And again, like that stuff, you know, it just, it's not, it hasn't been on display in camp or in preseason. And that's, again, part of preseason. That's part of the staff's philosophy. But again, that, that lends itself to these types of questions. Can Carson do it? You know, is this the right scheme? Is this the right fit? Because I think Carson's done some good stuff in camp, but he's also at times looked like it's not the right fit. So, you know, where is that balance and how much of that is just him growing in the offense and learning the offense? So, again, like that's that's why I think this, this time of year is so compelling, honestly, is because there still are a lot of questions and you won't get those answers. And, you, you know, everyone says, oh, you get those answers week one. You don't even really get those answers week one. You don't really get them until, like, you know, week five. And then, you know, like there's teams that, are good through five games and then they really struggle and then they kind of turn it around and play much better the second half of the season or the the last three quarters of the season and there's teams like that every single year so um as much as we want to know like i think that's the fun part is like we're going to get a data point here week one against jacksonville but we're also going to get a data point you know we're gonna have five data points six data points and i don't think we'll get a true sense of what this team is and what they do well until then, which again is like part of your concern that you brought up at the beginning of the show, right? Right. And, and I guess what I would say just to finish off that point, then we can go a couple quick positives and then get out of here, um, is that like there is no such thing as a finished product because, yeah. you know, when you say like, oh, we'll evaluate it five, six weeks in and then like, okay, well, by week eight, they're playing great. Well, it doesn't mean that they're going to play great through the rest of the regular season either. True. We saw that last year. They go on the four game yeah. winning streak in the middle of the year, then all of a sudden, um, so, you know, whether it's injuries, whether it's bad matchups, whether it's suspensions, COVID, like there's a million different reasons why that can change. But I do feel like sometimes we're on this search for like, what is this team? And right. when the answer is inconsistent, sometimes we're really bad at being like, this team is inconsistent. Right. So who knows on a week to week basis. And I kind of feel like if you, if you ask me like, this isn't fun, but like, if you ask me like what is this team going to be i would probably tell you inconsistent which is going to be frustrating it'll make for great podcasting and great radio trying to figure it out but uh it's it's definitely going to be a frustrating thing of course in order to be inconsistent you have to have good moments what are the things we can start again on defense the thing that you were actually i'll start uh, I'll, I'll i'll go first on this one instead of putting putting you on the spot i think montez sweat uh is gonna have a monster year so positive yeah. positives on defense like he showed it against Kansas City. Uh, he didn't quite get home, but like that has a lot to do with the fact that the guy he was chasing was Patrick Mahomes. Um, I I think what we've seen from him in camp, the vocal leadership, like he just seems to have a different swagger and confidence this year. Obviously, he's got a couple years of know-how under his belt. Um, there is the reality that he might get a little more attention with Chase not there, but I think he can handle it. I, I think sweat against the run is so solid. He's so special. Uh, his ability to set an edge and, and, and ultimately chase guys down on the edge. I think Montez Sweat could have a monster. We're talking like 10 sack, you know, for a guy that, that's not necessarily known as the pass rusher that like Chase is, um, I think he could have like a 10 sack monster kind of year. Yeah, I agree. I think that's totally right. And I think you're just going to see him get more productive because I do think Jack has not shown a lot of single package in the preseason. They haven't showed a lot of five-man blitzes. And I think when you can ensure those one-on-ones for a guy like Montez, like he's going to be productive. Same thing with John. Same thing with Payne. And even like Casey Tuwill has flashed a little bit as a rusher, and James Smith Williams has flashed as a rusher. So if you can ensure one-on-ones for that group, I think you're going to be in a really good spot. And I think just kind of generally, you know, like I'm not going to highlight anybody in particular, but I think the personnel on defense is something that I think is a positive, right? I think Jamin is is turning a corner. He's looking more productive. Cole, I think he's done a nice job just playing Mike. I think when you look at the secondary, like Kendall Fuller. You know, I know he gave up a touchdown, but man, he had like probably six PBUs in that game, and just being in excellent position and playing with great leverage. So, I think the the personnel of that group is there. Just about whether, again, you know, that weird football kind of amalgamation of stuff coming together at the right time and gelling and syncing up, and that that's the question for me um, with that group, obviously. But I think the people there, the personnel's right. It's just about whether it comes together. Um, But I'm very excited about that, the personnel specifically. Yeah, and then offensively, if we close out with a positive there, I mean, the receiving core seems like the obvious one. Um, but I'll go I'll go the running back situation yeah. because I feel like a lot of people are, are have a, like a negative tinge towards it, although I do feel like the, the narrative is starting to come around a little bit on that. Yeah. Um, 
this Gibson situation has played out in a way that expedited, I think, what was ultimately going to happen anyway. Um, mm. You've been talking about it since the spring. Like, I think Robinson's really good right now. Like, he is yeah. a good NFL running back starting yesterday, starting right. three weeks ago. Um, and Gibson, I think, like, is there a chance Gibson returns a kick or two for a touchdown this year? Yeah. And if yeah. that gets him in that role faster, great. Um, and if this puts him in space more often, great. Yeah. And if this encourages Scott to use two back sets with any combination of those two plus McKissick and like some funky personnel groupings, great. Like yeah. I, I think their running back situation is super unique. And again, it comes down to whether or not it's going to come together uh, from the coordinator side of it, like you were talking about. But I really love the options they have there. And by the way, if something were to happen on any given week and Jonathan Williams is on the practice squad, like call that kid up. He's, he yeah. looks like a, a good football player too. No, I totally agree. And I think like it's either it's running back depth and kind of diversity of skill set there or it's receivers because they're very deep at receivers. I think Jahan, Terry, Curtis have all kind of shown why they're good football players in the NFL. Cam Sims, again, depth at the position. Um, Dax Milne we talked about you know Diami's even flashed a little bit during practice more not necessarily in the games but that's all there so I think you feel good about that again the other one that's exciting to me you know sans injury without injury is the tight ends and then I, I would be totally remiss if we didn't talk about the offensive line I mean that group has just exceeded expectations like at every yeah. every turn right I mean like Leno has just been Mr. Consistent like every day of camp Norwell is been much better than I thought he would be. You know what I mean? I thought, like, when I watched this film this offseason, I'll be a solid starter. But I think he actually adds a lot in terms of running game physicality. Pass pro, he's been excellent. Um, Chase Roulier, again, just his intelligence is, you know, and then um, right guard, you know, we haven't seen Trey Turner, but Wes has done fantastic at right guard. And then Cosme, I think, is probably the most likely of that group to get, you know, in the Pro Bowl type of contention if he plays well. So, that group has just come together really well. Matt Scott does a great job with them, and uh, they have great depth. Lucas, I mean, the fact that Lucas played in that Kansas City game and played really well on, like, two days of practice, it just boggles the mind. So, again, you know, much like the defense, I'm excited about the personnel. Offensive line, I think you're excited about. Um, receivers, right, we just talked about. Running backs, tight ends. It's all there. It's all there from a personnel standpoint, and it's all very exciting. It's just about... Can it come together, right? And I think that's the that is the interesting thing about this group is we're not so much worried about the people on the field. We're more worried about their utilization package, right? With the coordinators, with um, coordinators, really. Is you know you said Jack, I'm worried about Jack. I'm also worried about Scott. Like yeah, just how it Same. comes together, and like they're a big part of that. So yeah, definitely. All right, that's it for uh, the pod for this week for slash slash for today. Uh, back on Monday, Logan and likely John Kime. And then next Thursday, Logan and, well, this is why you subscribe. I guess you'll find out. I'll be back. Uh, I don't know whether we'll do the pod on Labor Day or we'll do it on Tuesday, uh, the day after. I guess we can we can chat about that when yeah. I get back from the UK. Uh, but again, if you're subscribed, it'll come to you uh, whenever. Uh, other than that, don't tweet me. Don't Instagram me. Don't email me. I'm not I'm not responding until until I get back. But you definitely can bug Logan at Logan underscore Paulson82 on yeah. Instagram. If you got questions, drop them in there. Yeah. So uh, make sure you check out Logan there. And uh, he and uh, our producer, Matt Essig, will probably do a Q&A uh, segment at some point next week as well. So uh, look forward to, to listening to that. Maybe on the plane ride back, that'll be my catch-up. Uh, and then uh, I'll be back at it as a married man on the other side uh, but until then uh enjoy enjoy uh the football sir uh good luck in your last game on the sidelines well, for the preseason appreciate it and uh i'll talk to you when i get back sounds excellent man